When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benson. And I'm Ben Bowen. And today's topic is uh, kind of an unusual body style for a vehicle. Yeah, this is, uh, if you're filing all the Car Stuff podcasts in different categories, uh, this is a fairly specific one for us. Uh, this is similar to our Spider Cars podcast. Yeah. Uh, we are talking about one very specific design element in some vehicles and the history of it and the uh, mad genius behind it. And it goes back way farther than you might think, as most of our topics tend to do, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, I guess you're probably wondering about why we had the horrible pun title, Don't Call It a Camback. That's right. And this uh, this body style goes back to the research that was done by a guy um, who's a, he's a German aerodynamicist. Uh, yeah, his name is Wunebold Kamm. Yeah, and it goes back to the 1930s. That's crazy talk, right? And, and it does. It actually goes back even a decade further than that, as we'll find out as we get to the history of this whole thing. Uh, but the style of, of bodywork um, is a very uh, a truncated design, I guess. I mean, it, it is that the right way to say that? Ben? Yeah, that's perfect. At the end of the vehicle, it's just kind of lopped off, like it's just a flat back end on a vehicle. And yeah, we'll describe this yeah. in better better terms as we go on here. But just to get this out up front, it's a very flat backed car. Yeah, the trunk is truncated. Uh, <laughs> not bad. Yeah. Uh, not great. That's for sure. But yeah, this the reason that the age of this design might seem so strange to people is that this is something today that we a lot of people mistake for a modern design because you see it on things like a Prius or an Insight. Exactly right. Yeah, the, uh, the, the design characteristic has carried over and it goes directly to what was learned back in the 1930s, 1920s mm-hmm. uh, by Vunabald and uh Mr. Cam, as we'll call him, or or Dr. Cam. I think he was uh, actually a doctor at some point. Mm-hmm. He received a degree. Not heavy K? No. <laughs> you can call him whatever you like, but I guess. Uh, but the idea is that, you know, the, the overall shape, it reduces drag of the, the drag of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, it improves aerodynamic efficiency and vehicle stability. That's important. 
uh, because it's used in a lot of racing vehicles as well. So we'll talk about specific examples of, of high-performance cars that use this design, uh, some production cars that have used this design, and then also uh, modern hybrids that are using this exact same design as well or elements of the design. Right, which I, I think is such an interesting motley crew of different cars, you know, that all benefit from a similar design aesthetic. Exactly right. And I think that, you know, our listeners can probably picture this in their mind that, you know, it's a, it's a vehicle that looks uh, pretty much, I guess, like any other car on the road until you get to that back end and then it's just kind of abruptly ends. Yeah, you go, where's the rest of my car? Yeah, it looks like there should be another three or four feet to that vehicle, but it just ends right there. And we're going to uh, dispel a little bit of a rumor about uh, is, is a minivan a cam car or not? Oh, good. The time has come. I, I think so. So uh let's go way, 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 way back. We said this sort of begins in the 30s. Let's go back before the beginning to the prequel of the Cam, <laughs> Cam Tale uh, with a guy named Paul Jaray. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, he was working in the 1920s to develop streamlined car bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one thing that he's really well known for would be the low profile teardrop shape. And it's got a long tail to minimize air resistance for, you know, your everyday passenger car. Right. Uh, so this coincides with the massive highway system construction in the thirties, right? We have cars that are cruising at higher speeds and, Automobile designers started to say, okay, well, we can't just build boxes anymore. Mm-hmm. We have to have cars that can reliably go 40, 50 plus miles an well, hour. Well, you remember the, uh, the Chrysler Airflow design. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, what, mid thirties, I think, 1934 to 1937, I believe, is the Chrysler Airflow. Yeah. And, uh, they were finding that this, this teardrop shape that, uh, that Paul Jaret was working on actually improved on that just a little bit, but not a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was minimal. Really, the uh, the um, the the bettering, I guess, or the improvement of that design. So, um, you know, they said, well, the airflow design is pretty good. Let's work to just improve what they've already got there. And if you remember, it's got it's it's got a sloped back end. Mm-hmm. So they were trying to find out a way to make that slope back end work even better than it already did. I mean, did they really need that slope back end? And it turns out they were even able to uh, to refine that to the point where it was even better aerodynamically. It didn't the turbulence behind it that uh, that even the airflow did. Right, yeah, because if you think about it, it's a pretty counterintuitive response to say, well, if we want to increase the uh, airflow here, if we want to increase the aerodynamicity, which is a word I just made up, then uh, you would think that we would want that gentle, long taper at the end. But instead, lopping it off, it turns out, is a pretty good solution. It is. And you know what? You'll still see cars that have that long, long tail. Now, mm-hmm. there were some race cars that used a long tail design like that. I, I think, um, you know, some of the eco-challenge type vehicles that we see right, yeah. often use a, ta- a long tail like that. You know, the solar-powered vehicles that have those really tiny little carbon fiber wheels and yeah. single-seater and they get a thousand. Low. Yeah, they get a thousand miles to the gallon. You know, those, those types of... Um, uh, I guess university experiment vehicles. Sure, R and D vehicles, eco challenge vehicles, typically are powered by an alternative fuel. Uh, it could be anything from ethanol to the sun. Yeah, exactly right. But it turns out that a vehicle doesn't necessarily need that long tapered tail at higher speeds uh, because yep. they're they're going at relatively low speeds. Now, I was thinking about this too. Ben. All right, okay. the, the Bonneville salt flats. Mm-hmm. Why why aren't uh, why aren't they using this truncated design instead of 
Um, and I keep saying truncated. Maybe I should just say the uh, the cam tail design. Okay, yeah. So the the cam tail design. Why aren't they using that? Why don't we see more people using that versus the teardrop shape? Because we see a lot of teardrop streamliners out there. Mm-hmm. Or we used to. I mean, I wonder what's maybe maybe there is some uh, some some newer cam tail designs that are they're out there. Yeah, but the record setters, which I think are the ones we're talking about in this case, uh, have been doing that really long design. Yeah, that's true. Um, I wonder. You know, I. I think there part of it may just be a constraint of the construction of the vehicle, like where they have to have the engine placement and how they have to arrange the distance between the wheelbase, things like that. Mm-hmm. But that's a very good question. I have not, to my knowledge, seen a camback uh, holding a record on the salt flats. Okay, so that teardrop shape is ideal, Ben. But you know, as Cam found out, you know, cutting off that or flattening the streamlined end of that tail. Mm-hmm. Um, at a certain point, and we'll talk about the uh, the proportions here in just a second. But sure. uh, there's a certain point where if you if you terminate that you know that that sloping bodywork, um, it's kind of like a point of uh, of of return. What do you call it? A point of uh, diminishing returns. Yeah, Is that yeah, right? exactly. Um, that you know you can get most of the benefit out of the teardrop shape without having to incur such a large material or structural or size issue as you would with having all of that tail material hanging off the back end of your car. Yeah, great point. And let's also keep in mind that in the days when Cam was doing a lot of his original research, material science was not at the level it is today. So we're talking about we're talking about sacrificing a relatively small percentage of uh what's the word I mean aerodynamicity uh for a very large uh loss of weight exactly right and that's why it was important for race cars to use something mm-hmm. like this right so mm-hmm. you find that as we talk about the examples later uh, a lot of race cars use that type of design and the reason is because it creates this this cam tail mm-hmm. creates the cam effect mm-hmm. and here's the idea behind the cam effect and this is really important this is great yeah this is you have to you have to really think about this when you look at modern cars and, and understand what's going on there because airflow here's what it says airflow once given the suggestion of the beginning of a turbulence eliminating streamlined teardrop tail. So I'll finish in just a second, but that's interesting there. The suggestion of the beginning of a turbulence mm-hmm. reducing tail. So what that means, once you, once you extend the back of the vehicle past a certain threshold, the air says, Oh, I get the gist. We're going down at this angle. Yeah, that's right. So it's not just an abrupt cutoff at some indiscriminate point. Uh, you have to begin that downward slope and then cut it off, and then it works because the air just continues to flow. So, you know, the air that was intended to flow in kind of an approximate shape of what mm-hmm. that tail would be still continues to flow in that same way. So it doesn't just drop straight down, guys. It goes into, it mimics the shape there. Uh, it's almost as if the ghost of the long tail still remains. Exactly right. Yeah, that's right. It's it's where the tail would be, and it follows that line anyway. So it's kind of an interesting thing called the cam effect. You can look that up online and see yeah. videos, I'm sure, of wind tunnel testing that goes along with this. And and you know, speaking of wind tunnels, yeah, uh, you know, Cam uh, Vunabald Cam, he used uh, he used a full size wind tunnel back in Germany way back in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. And I think he was the one who uh, you know was one that was pushing for. Um, for building this. He was, in fact, it was the first full-scale wind tunnel for motor vehicles, um, I, I think maybe even worldwide. Yeah, and the the first cam car, the first official cam car that we know of happens pretty soon after that. It's 1940, you guys. And that's, you know, that's probably weird because, uh, Noel, you know, did you know that the car you're driving has a cam tail? 
If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The Prius. Yeah. Yeah. It is a camtail. It is a camtail, which is amazing to me that it could last from... 1940 uh that was a bmw 328 yeah and it actually went into uh the the prototype stages i guess in 1938 as you mentioned Mm -hmm. this 38 bmw it was based on the 328 chassis Mm -hmm. and the drag coefficient was really remarkable for the time i mean think about cars from the late 1930s the drag coefficient was was 0.25 uh which was compared to you know if you compare this to a uh a race car of the day you know the 1940 mil milia winning bmw 328 which was a touring coupe it had a drag coefficient of 0.35. So this was even uh, a better design than the, the you know, the, this famous race winning BMW that they had of, of the day. Mm-hmm. Clearly it's a, it's a great design. Right. So what I, what I was looking at, and I want to check with you, Scott, cause I'm not a hundred percent on this. I saw that the earliest, uh, cars that were mass produced production cars, mm-hmm. you know, uh, using this idea, this camtail, was something called the Nash Air Flight, which I had not heard of. The Nash Air Flight. No uh-huh. kidding. I had not heard of that one either. I'm going to have to look that up. 49 to 51. Huh. And I had, I haven't followed up on them too much, but, uh, I was, I was surprised. First, they went back that far, of course, into production 
Because, you know, a lot of times when we see an innovation like this, Mm -hmm. especially a body style innovation, it takes a little while to trickle down to production. Well, sure. It's going to be used in the racing form first, probably. Right. And then the luxury and high performance forms. Exactly right. And then it's going to trickle down to kind of what we call the ordinary cars, I guess, or the mass production cars that Uh uh, we're familiar with. The everyman's car. Yeah, that's right. And then we've got lists here of uh, of high-performance cars that it was used in. And, of course, these span the decades as well. They started in 1940 mm-hmm. uh, with that BMW 328, the Mille the Cam Coupe, mm-hmm. as they call it. And I think I already mentioned the prototype, right, from 38. So even two years prior to that. Uh, my favorite on this whole list, Ben, is the next one, which is a 1961 Ferrari 250 GT SWB bread van. <laughs> now, if you search, I know it's a funny name. I know, but I've looked at it. Have you seen the bread van? It's a, it's a great car. I mean, yeah. it's a really cool, interesting design too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just love it. And I love the way the back end is just flat like that. I mean, it's such a cool design. I don't know what it is about it, but it looks great on the track. I'm just, I'm just surprised that that's, that's your pick. I mean, because, you know, uh, there are other things in here. There's the, there's the not to step on any toes, my friend, but, uh, those Aston Martins are looking pretty nice. There's a, 1963 Aston Martin DP215. Uh, there's a Aston Martin DB6, of course, which we have covered in an earlier podcast, and those are from 65 to 70. And I got to say, the Alfa Romeo Montreal from 70 to 77, I really like it. That's your favorite. I think it's my favorite. No kidding. I've got one that's a close second for okay, me. Okay, what is a it? A close second would be the Ford GT40. Now, a lot mm-hmm. of people might not think that that was a uh, camptail design, but take a look at it. It's yeah. chopped off very abruptly at the back end. And, uh, you know, we just mentioned, uh, we mentioned proportions, right? Oh, yeah, and, we have to go back to I, that. Yeah. yeah, we did need to mention that. And I, I really am kind of, I'm struggling with one of the definitions here, Ben. Okay. So maybe we've got some engineer uh, fans that can write in and describe this to me. But the classic definition for a camptail car, uh, you know, where the tail uh, should be cut off where it has is tapered to approximately Fifty percent of the car's maximum cross section, mm-hmm. which Cam found represented a good compromise, because by at that point, um, you know the turbulence typical of a flat vehicle had been mostly eliminated at what they called typical speeds. So mm-hmm. my problem is fifty percent of the car's maximum cross section. Now I don't know exactly what that means or where they're they're getting that cross section from. Oh, I can hazard a guess. Okay. So uh, if you look at the car, look at it vertically. Yeah, it's when the uh, the the car cuts off, the cam tail stops mm-hmm. when it's about at the midpoint of the car's height. Oh, got it. Okay, does Mid- that make sense? That does make sense. You're right. So and that's that's what I assumed again. Not an engineer. So fifty percent is the classic definition, but then they they find that um you know the best position, the actual the, the premium position, I guess, would be around closer to forty five percent of the length, which I thought was weird. Uh, so they mentioned another term here. You know, I mean, they're throwing the length, which I, I think throws another uh, cross-section angle at us here that I'm not exactly familiar with. Right. Um, so there's just a couple of confusing terms in this definition that uh, that I'm not familiar with because I'm not an engineer. I'm trying to figure it out, mm-hmm. but I think you've got a good grasp of it. I'd still like to see that this is drawn out and figure out what you know what 45% means versus 50%. Yeah. And then and then compare it to some of these cars on this list because I can see it in some vehicles. I really can. But in other vehicles, I, I just don't get it. Like, I mean, I look at um, a car that, that I used to drive. I drove the, the 1990 Honda CRX. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And that is one of the uh, the mass-produced vehicles that mm-hmm. is definitely a, a camtail vehicle. Sure. Um, and you can clearly see that. There's also the Mazda MX-3, which you can clearly see that in, right? Mm-hmm. But then, you know, look at, like, the Triumph TR6. I don't know if I understand, you know, the Triumph TR6 being a, a cam back. I mean, I know it's a flat back end. 
mm-hmm. but it doesn't have that the rest of that you know that teardrop shape or anything that right. the front of the vehicle. Right. Um, and there's a few others that that I get. I mean, like I understand the the Datsun 240Z, the 260Z, and the 280Z uh, from you know the the 70s, 1970s. Clearly, that's a camtail design. That's a uh, it's very aerodynamic, and then it just abruptly ends. Mm-hmm. I get that. Uh, some of the Corvettes, even you know, there was a um, I'm trying to think of what year Corvette that was. Um, I think it's the uh, the 68 to 73. And you know, listeners might notice if you're uh, if you're very on top of your Corvette history, um, that's not all of the third-gen Corvettes, even though that, that falls within the third generation. Uh-huh. They made a body-style change oh, yeah, uh, midway. midway. It was really just a bumper change. When they went over to that, um, I don't know, I think it was like a polyurethane two-piece bumper that they came out with in 74. And, uh, you know, that's when they did away with the chrome bumpers. And it kind of had this tapering design. So, um, you know, prior to that, from 1968 to 1973, that's considered a camtail design. Hmm. Uh, so I get it on cars like that. I, I totally get it. But there's some here that just kind of baffle me as far as the, uh, the design. Lay it on me. Is it, is it really that? I mean, well, one was, you know, the, the Triumph, I think. Right. Um, the Ford Mustang, I, I kind of can see that one, but maybe not. It's just not as, as sharp as some of the other vehicles. Right. It's not, it doesn't seem as abrupt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then there's also cars that are called camback's. They specifically say, cam back in the in the name of the vehicle right that don't necessarily meet the classic uh you know 50 percent cross-section definition of a cam back so cars like um oh what one was this um i think there was a a cam back from chevy the chevy vega cam back wagon uh i don't think that that one really falls into uh the cam back style and the other one you know that, that a lot of people will throw out there because i think it's a, just a knee-jerk reaction to say well doesn't every minivan have this? You know, isn't a, isn't a minivan a flat back vehicle? Is that a cam back design? But I think that that fifty percent cross section thing has a lot to do with this, right? Because it would have to slope down at the back and then mm-hmm. be cut off. Mm-hmm. So, so what about like maybe a, a car like? And this is not on the list. Uh, the Honda Cross Tour, I think, is another one. Oh, one? okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Acura has a version of that too, right? If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. 
We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So what if it, yeah, so what if it's something more like we we think in terms of Kambach principles mm-hmm. so that influences of the design, if not the entire blueprint, mm-hmm. make it into certain cars, Right. I think, I think that may be something we're looking at because as, as you know, uh, in recent years, manufacturers have started using the term camback less and less because it's starting to just become a standard thing you consider when building a car. Yeah. And they're definitely not putting it in any kind of the, uh, in the name of the vehicle. They're not saying that, um, you know, this is the, uh, Toyota well, Camback Prius. Well, like, you know, the, the Camback wagon or, you know, anything like that. Yeah, they're not saying the Prius Camback or anything, yeah. but, but that design element is there. And that, those are good examples, actually, of this because there are some hybrid vehicles that make use of this because, you know, obviously it's, it's, it maximizes fuel economy and aerodynamics. So why would they not incorporate that design into a vehicle that's supposed to be very efficient, you know, fuel wise, aerodynamic, lightweight, all that, right? Because mm-hmm. you're saving the weight without having the extra material of the back end of the vehicle being there. But you're tricking the wind into uh, you're cheating the wind into thinking that it, there is a tail there, and that's yeah. exactly what they're doing. So there's uh, three or four cars here that that fall into this uh, this this category, and you know the Honda Insight from 2000 to 2006, right? Yeah. You, you mentioned the the Toyota Prius, right? Mm-hmm. Everything from 2004 all the way to present day. Mm-hmm. Um, also the uh, the second generation Insight, mm-hmm. uh, which is 2010 to present, and then the Honda CRZ, which is kind of the uh, I don't know, the modern version of the CRX in a lot of ways, but it's a hybrid, so it's slightly different. Uh, but clearly look at a Honda's CRZ and you'll, you'll completely understand the cam tail design principles. But, you know, look back at uh, some of these other cars, like I mentioned, like look at a Gremlin. Um, Right. Yeah. AMC Gremlin and the AMC Eagle. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not so sure that the Gremlin or the Eagle really, really fall into that design because it's a sloped back end, not really a flat back end. Oh, check this out, though. I think I know part of the answer. What's that? Apparently, the story goes that the design there, while it looks camish, was uh, made to increase space. Hmm. If uh, yeah, to to make to maximize the space within the vehicle. So functionality. 
Yeah, not streamlining. Hmm, understood. Okay, so it's so. for a different reason. And there's another, you know, there's a similar thing um, like with the Vega, the Chevy Vega. Mm-hmm. It has, if you recall, it has like that kind of cam back slope of sorts, mm-hmm. but not, they didn't get the, they didn't do the formula right. It doesn't have enough of that effect to achieve the, or excuse me, it doesn't, it's not properly um modified for uh taking advantage of the cam effect so it actually doesn't experience any uh what was that word aerodynamicity which changes a little bit every time i'm saying it every in the time show. it's a good word yeah we're still working it out let us know what you think of made-up car words <laughs> of all made-up words <laughs> i mean all words are made up this is a different show <laughs> totally different. all right so i i see what you're saying that they've got right. elements of the cam design or the cam tail design but it's not necessarily creating the cam effect Mm-hmm. That, uh, that the original design was intended for. Spot on. And another note, be aware when you are looking at a production car that seems like it has a cam tail, but something's a little bit off, you know? Yeah. Um, because this is a mathematical formula, right? That we have, we have found the optimal time, uh, and, and, uh, space and layout for this thing in proportions. Uh, if it looks like it's just inspired by it, then you may have stumbled upon a semi-dirty secret, which is that many production cars use a cam tail inspired design to make the car look streamlined and to make it, you know, look fast, for lack of a better word. But if it's just designed to look fast, that's not the same thing as increasing its uh, increasing its efficiency in the wind. I wonder if the modern Corvette and the Corvette just prior to this one are considered cam tails because they have a relatively flat back end. So flat, in fact, that I've seen, you know, v- versions of this, I guess, you know, that people have, uh, have modded that, uh, of the, the previous Corvette design that there's a, there's a point where you can paint the entire back end of a Corvette, you know, black. Uh-huh. And I've seen that done many times. It's a pretty dramatic look. I mean, it's, it's sharp. I really like the look. Uh, but it, it has to be on a certain body style because otherwise there's not a, a definite point where it would look, you know, it would look strange if you just painted the back end of your Corvette black. Um, mm-hmm. There's a point where, you know, the side panels come in and the, the, the back end of the vehicle is definitely flat because there's not like one continuous panel that bends around. Yeah. And, uh, and, and there'd be no, I don't know how to say this, Ben, but it's just, there's no good point to make that, that line. Transition. That yeah. transition. That's a good way to say it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I know that I've seen them painted like that. So it, maybe that just emphasizes the, the flat back end of it. Maybe. But I wonder if it's a true cam design or not. Huh. I don't know. I'm not yeah. sure. I mean, we'd have to check out the proportions and, you know, it would have to be a, a measuring exercise, I suppose. But, um, it does look like a cam tail on those things. Well, you know, Scott, as we record this, it is getting closer and closer to Halloween. So maybe we just, Whip out a Ouija board and, uh, see if we can ask, uh, see if we can ask Cam himself. <laughs> oh, no, go right to the source. Yeah, go right to yeah. the source. Oh, that's perfectly reasonable. Uh, and, you know, can I tell you something that's a little unrelated to uh, this? We need that. By which I mean completely unrelated. So my girlfriend, uh, it, my, my girlfriend loves scary movies and stuff like that, but, She's she's the type of person who goes to a haunted house. She really enjoys it, oh, right? Good for you, man. A lot of people uh, struggle with this. Really? You know, sometimes it's the guy that wants to do that, and there's no way they're getting their wife or girlfriend to go. I mean, I think it's fun, but I'm not the type to go. Okay, first off, longtime listeners, you guys know that I'm a little bit of a tightwad. Haunted houses can add up pretty quick. <laughs> okay, but she enjoys it. She enjoys it, so of course we're going to go do it, right? Yeah. You know, of course, and uh, and. 
she had this uh she had this thing with some of her friends where as a like a writing exercise or, or something they were doing they played with a Ouija board and I'm a huge skeptic about this sort of stuff to me to me it's so funny uh but I got a little bit in the doghouse with I got in a little bit of doghouse with my skepticism Scott uh, what'd you do <laughs> um apparently i i was the uh you know in horror movies there's always like the guy who doesn't believe that something supernatural is going on he's the first to die yeah apparently i was that guy and, oh, my, really? day, and my days may be numbered so maybe i'll speak to cam myself it's totally unrelated just a little bit of a halloween story and um you know i I'm sorry, man. I, I'm fine with being in the doghouse. A man's got to have a code, Scott. Yeah, Part I, of my code. I understand. I'm a skeptic as well. So yeah, so we're in the same boat on that. But one. um, we're also uh, we're also advising you listeners out there, especially if you are, especially if you're checking out a car that you want to buy, um, be just be aware that the appearance of speed, right, or the appearance of uh, this sort of efficiency, it's not necessarily the same thing as the function. Exactly right, and they do do that. I mean, they do design them like that because it's it's used as a uh, as a, um, a design element to make the vehicle look as if it's fast or faster when it's standing still. And a lot mm-hmm. of people have said that car looks fast even when it's standing still, right? You've heard that yeah, probably from car. many many people, right? You and I said that earlier, as a matter of fact, uh, this weekend. <laughs> so we did, as a matter of fact. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, there's there's reasons behind that. They're, they're fooling you into thinking that a car is fast mm-hmm. just by the way it mm-hmm. looks, and, and it really does work. And the camtail design, for whatever reason, it triggers something in your mind to think that that's a that's a fast car. And it's, you know, if it's a real cam des- camtail design, that's true. I mean, it, it's it's quicker than you know a vehicle that would have had you know the elongated tail, the extra weight, sure, all that. Sure, right? Yeah. But it's also something that uh, again, like you said, manufacturers use it to uh, to kind of fool consumers in a way. Mm-hmm. So, is it a true design that's actually saving you something fuel economy wise? You know, weight wise. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe it is in some cases. Maybe it isn't. But um, either way, the design is pretty functional. I mean, because you're still able to use the back end as like, you know, if it's a hatchback type design. Sure. Or if it's a, um, you know, it's got a small trunk of some kind, but mm-hmm. it is going to be cut off abruptly at some point. So you're not going to have that long tail as you would on some vehicles. Hey, and if you just like the, uh, just like the stylistic aspect, you know, more power to you. And I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, so... I really like it. That bread van, uh, Ferrari is really cool. I've mm. seen, I've seen a bread van, bread van Porsche. What? At some point. Yeah, I don't know where the photo is. It, Here like, in town? Or? No, no, oh, okay. no, this is online in a forum. Somewhere. Oh, okay. But, uh, That's very what... cool design. And then yeah. I've also seen, um, you know, a lot of the, uh, the CRZs around town, mm-hmm. uh, the hybrid versions. And those are cool because I like the throwback to the CRX because, you know, it's a, a car that I owned at one point. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that car a lot. I mean, it was a, a lot of fun to drive. And, uh, and I do miss certain parts of that. So, um, if I, I don't know. I think if I could, you know, right now, yeah. know, if it was something that was in, uh, you know, met my needs, mm-hmm. I'd probably get a, a CRZ. I mean, it's a, it's a cool looking little car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you and I again are, uh, vicariously shopping for cars. One of our, one of our coworkers recently started on the journey to get a new car, mm-hmm. which yeah, is, right. 
I, I feel bad because that's all we talk to him about now. Uh, yeah, but you know what? That's a, that's a big part of uh, what's going on in his life right now, right? So he's uh, he's asking us questions. We're uh, we're following up with things with him. We're, kind of, <laughs> right. we're all involved in this in some way. But uh, it's kind of it's <laughs> exciting for someone to get a new vehicle, isn't it? Yeah. The only thing more exciting is when you're the one getting it. Well, that's true. I mean, <laughs> you're right. We're kind of vicariously living through him. Because, totally. Because totally. you and I are you and I are always talking about or searching for the next vehicle but we never jump we never make the move nope, right not yet i'm still hanging onto my car with a broken windshield and bad, <laughs> bad suspension and i'm thinking maybe someone will just yeah. smash the front end of this thing and then i'm uh, then i'm out yeah you know that uh that monte carlo transmission is getting slippery as a greased pig man <laughs> it's yes, the, so the pig is not quite greased yet guys but uh yeah also who knows maybe uh maybe sometime soon you and i are up for uh an upgrade. Couple of couple of cam tails. Oh, hey! Before we go, can uh, I do a uh, segment of uh, stuff Ben sees? Of course you can. Great. So Scott, remember when we did that episode on stance cars? Yes. Man, I saw the craziest, most extreme stance car that I've ever seen in real life. Just a few days ago, okay. actually. And the wheels, I kid you not, man, the wheels were at an angle like this. I don't know how it was. So the wheels are facing skyward. The, <laughs> right? The, the actual, yeah, the, like the rims would be facing up. Not, yeah, not quite up, but like, you know, out, out of this diagonal angle. And I didn't see it at a high speed. I saw it at a low speed. Oh, you never will see it at high speed. Yeah, I bet not. It was rolling into Quick Trip, and it looked like an optical illusion because uh, we're uh, we have that Quick Trip near our office. Yeah, and uh, a gas station. Yeah, yeah, and so right. Sorry, guys, a uh, local gas station. And so I was gassing up, and I saw this roll in, and I thought I'm going to stop, and I want to see who gets out of this. And it was like a younger guy in a suit, and. uh in he, a suit. Yeah. Hmm. Right? I wouldn't have picked that. I mean, pardon my stereotype, Scott. But, uh, but he got a, uh, yeah, like he was, he was dressed up, you know, he must have, I don't know, a job where you need a suit. How about that? A stance car guy with a respectable job. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We, we can't did, say that. We, did, we yeah, can't no, say no, that. No, no. But here's the thing. Um, I watched, I watched the car, you know, and I, I looked at the tires and I was playing that game. You play when you're a car guy and you think, well, how close can I get to this unattended stranger's car yeah. before I get creepy? Because you really want to check it out. You want I to really see- wanted to yeah. see. I was just curious. I wanted to look at the look at the connection, how they had set it up. And uh, when he was when he was rolling out, I could hear, I could hear that suspension, man. Like you know how you can hear the bad suspension. Sure. I could literally hear it from where my car was. Could you hear it scraping anything as he left? No, but I was so certain he was going to. Um, I couldn't, you know, he drove away and, uh, there's a little lip when you get on the main road. And so I was sure that he was going to bottom out on you know, that. There are tactics that you have to follow if you drive a car like that. You have to understand that you can't hit things straight on. You have to kind of angle your way right, out. Right. One uh, wheel first. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So I, I bet he was doing that and you just didn't see it happening. But uh, interesting. I wonder, do you remember what kind of car it was or what, what, you know, was it a newer vehicle, an older vehicle? Yeah, it was it was a BMW, I want to say. Okay. Um it was is a white BMW newer um I can't remember the make though. 
Oh, new BMW. You know, I was just kidding about that respectable job bit. I hope everybody knows that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. But seriously, that's uh, that's interesting that you see, saw one that low because, you know, honestly, there's a little bit of camber on a lot of vehicles out there. Sure, yeah, when yeah, you see yeah. one that's extreme like that, typically you only see them when they're out at shows, right? Yeah, so this was... <laughs> this is just like a daily driver. So here's the thing, man. It was, it was extreme enough to the point uh, that... I wondered if he had been in an accident. I was like, is this on purpose? Did something happen to your car? Maybe he's carrying a piano in the trunk and you just can't see it. You know, which has probably happened to somebody. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, uh, if you want to hear more about Stan's cars, you can check out our podcast on it and let us know what you think. It's not, it's not quite as divisive as our donk cars episode, Mm -hmm. right? Um, which we got some people uh, hitting us up on Twitter about and sending us donk car pictures um, and our email as well. Uh, but we do hope you enjoy this episode on the Camback. So you got anything else, Scott? No, I don't think so. I mean, there's probably a lot more to say. I know I have a lot more on the on the man himself about uh, Vunabald Cam. But, oh, uh, yeah. he's, a, he's a fascinating guy, by the yeah, way. Yeah, his work with, with uh, the German military yeah, and stuff. Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he's in the Automotive Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just, he, he worked on a lot of things that were really groundbreaking. In fact, they said, you know, some of his uh, his work on turbulence on vehicles was considered, you know, breakthrough and fundamental in car design even today, modern day. Right, yeah. Now, I was joking, but only halfway joking when I called him a mad genius. It is not fair to call him mad. It is fair to call him a genius. Uh, if you would like to learn more about uh, Professor Cam, because it was a professor, uh, then you can either just catch Scott and I when we're hanging out, and we'll tell you all about them. Uh, you can check out our website if you want to learn more about all things automotive. We are carstuffshow.com. And uh, let's see, we mentioned Twitter. So uh, check out some of our pictures that never make it to the air, uh, where we're carstuffhsw. You can also find us on Facebook. We're the same thing there. And Scott, where should people send their email if they want to email us? Well, they can send it to carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between, like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly. How much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash Zero. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Granger for the ones who get it done.